Welcome to the podcast. Every week I'll share leadership thoughts, books I'm reading, or tools I'm using to teach leadership skills. I believe everyone has influence. Every family, school, church, city, country is determined by its capacity for effective leadership. So let's jump in. Well, yeah, welcome again to the Leadership Podcast. Glad to have you with me. I'm going to go off of last week's theme of uh, there's a time for everything, a time to die and a time to be born, etc. And so much of leadership is being able to inject solutions, insights, directions in the right time. As we know in product distribution, you can have the right product, but if it's not the time for that product, then um, the product's just not going to to matter. It's not going to make an impact. And uh, so I know I try to lead with the newspaper in one hand and the scriptures in the other hand, to where I can, you know, keep an eye on what and an ear on what is going on in people's lives right now. Sometimes people say to me, how did you know what was going on in our lives? Because I, I think leadership is a lot about listening. It's about listening to people. But it also is about relaxing and letting God work things, or in the words of Ecclesiastes 3, make all things beautiful in their time. In their time. There's some things that are out of our control. And today I want to focus on a book that I've just loved, and it is directly impacting my thinking on this, and I found it really encouraging, and I'm going to do a series on this at some point real soon, and it is researcher and psychologist Daniel H. Pink's book, When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And I just want to run through that today to whet your appetite for the science, and then also the spirituality of time. For example, he opens by talking about the hidden pattern of everyday life across continents and time zones as predictable as the ocean tides is a same daily oscillation, a peak, a trough, and a rebound. That there is, as Ecclesiastes 3 says, there is this rhythm to life that we can pretty much predict where people are going to be in certain seasons of the year and certain seasons of, of their lives. Um, a growing body of science makes it clear breaks are not a sign of sloth, but a sign of strength. He makes a case for the power of taking a break, of having a quiet lunch, as he calls it, a case for a modern siesta. As a person who I love to just close my eyes for 15 or 20 minutes in my car or sitting at a chair in the afternoon and just getting renewed, I think there's a holiness to, to the rhythm of a nap. There's just a holiness to a regeneration, but there's something about that that, you know, I know I have, like today I have a day where I feel like if I take a break, I'm missing, I'm, 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 I'm missing an opportunity. I'm just, I've got, I've got that kind of day. But breaks are not a sign of sloth, but a sign of strength. And I think partially it means, you know, there are things that are up to God that you can't control. You're not in charge of everything. He says, most of us have harbored a sense that beginnings are significant. Now the science of timing has shown that they're even more powerful than we suspected. Beginnings stay with us far longer than we know. Their effects linger to the end. It's fascinating the research shows that the reason that we remember so much from our childhood 
is because our childhood is where our brains first experience certain things. And that's why it seems like the memories of our childhood are so much bigger and longer than what seemingly is the compressed memory of our older years. It's why we appears to us as if time moves so quickly. When we get older, it's not actually that. It's our brain is skipping through because, oh, I've already experienced that. I've already experienced that. And so the power of beginning things, the power of, of um, marking the beginning of new projects, of launching new ideas, the you know new birth, new new marriages uh, are are very critical. Um, he also says when we reach a midpoint, sometimes we slump, but other times we jump. A, a mental siren alerts us that we've squandered half our time, and so this is the kind of the uh, the wake up call to what he calls the midlife malaise that can teach us about motivation is, okay, what, what, what is, what is happening in my life right now? It's, it's in the words of Bob, um, is Bob Benson, halftime, the halftime guy. He said, you know, at halftime, you kind of make that shift from, okay, I've spent all my time trying to be a success. Now I want to make my life significant, which then the next chapter, he talks about endings. When endings become salient, whenever we act uh, enter in Act 3 of any kind, we sharpen our existential red pencils and scratch out anyone or anything non-essential. I absolutely love his insight in this chapter because there is a clarity that comes the older we get of the things that just don't matter. You know, when I came out of Christian college, there were so many things that mattered. You had to do communion every Sunday. You had to be baptized for the remission of sins. You had to go to church once a week. You had, you had, you had. You know what I believe in now? You have got to hear about this resurrected Jesus. Because everything comes from that resurrection. And it's amazing how things that are important but non-essential begin to filter out. And, and I think it allows us to see what really matters more clearly. He talks a lot about synchronizing, the principle of synchronizing, syncing fast and slow, the secrets of group timing. Synchronizing makes us feel good, and feeling good helps a group's wheels turn more smoothly. Coordinating with others also makes us do good, the research shows, and doing good enhances synchronization. And this is just the multiplicative power of community. You want to use your time well? You want to have good timing in your life? Do not live in a vacuum. Do not live individually. Live in the context of a group that you are growing with. God did not lead Israel out of Egypt one person at a time. He led them as a group. And uh, I just love that idea that, you know, being a part of a group for many of us makes us slow down. For some of us, it makes us speed up. It, 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 it synchronizes the pace of life. And then he also talks about tenses. Most of the world's languages mark verbs with time using tenses, past, present, future tense. And this conveys meaning and reveals thinking. Nearly every phrase we utter is tinged with time, with time. There's an old ditty that I love. It says that I only have a minute, just 60 seconds in it. Can't deny it, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it. 
I must pay if I abuse it, give account if I choose to lose it. I have only just a minute, but eternity is in it. This is the power of time. Kronos and Kairos. Kronos represents the broken down measurements of what Kairos contains, and that is the meaning of past, present, future. We're constantly going through the intersection of past, present, future. We live in the intersection, think from left to right of past and future, and think from up to down of inner and outer. And in that intersection of that cross uh, is, is the cruciform life of impact, where I'm not living in my past, I'm not living too much in the future, I am in the present, but I'm not living too much for the outer. I'm not living so much inwardly that I miss the outer. But in that intersection is where I find timing. It's where, in the words of Daniel Pink, I discover the when of having maximum impact. Until next time on the podcast, this is Charlie. Thanks for listening. Tune in every week as we continue learning and growing in faith, in life and leadership. And if this has been helpful to you, subscribe and spread the word. And I will talk to you next week.